y'all. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Nuga Bell podcast, all about stories of the South straight from the sources. I'm your host, Kate Robertson, and I'm based in the scenic city of Chattanooga, Tennessee. I have a passion for stories, and this is where some of the best ones get told. So join me and my guests as we talk about all things Chattanooga, life in the South, and beyond. Now pour yourself a cup of coffee, a glass of sweet tea, or a nice old-fashioned, and join us. We're so glad you're here. to this super spooky special episode of the Nuga Bell podcast. And on this episode, I am sitting in the room 311, alleged to be haunted in the historic Reed House Hotel. And I'm joined by two lovely gentlemen who are going to be telling all the things about the Reed House and hopefully keeping Annalisa, well, maybe not out, but keeping her at bay for the next little bit while we're in here. But uh, would y'all like to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Tyler Logue, and I serve on staff here as the historian for the Reed House. My name is Jared Nelson, and I'm the guest services manager here at the Reed House. Awesome. I'm really excited to sit down and talk with y'all for a little bit. Excited as well. Yeah. So what brought y'all to, to Chattanooga? Well, I came to Chattanooga about six years ago to attend Covenant College, and after I graduated, I just stayed around and started working at my church and eventually found my way here to work at the Reed House Starbucks. And along the way, started doing research and uh, got named the Reed House Historian, and that's a position I now hold on staff. Awesome. What about you, Jared? So I came here for college uh, four years ago, 2015. I was studying biochemistry at UTC. And I got a job here working room service, and from there I just kind of started working my way up and up and up and up until I made it to the guest services manager. So here I am four years later. Awesome. All right, so let's dive into the history of the Reed House a little bit. Um, Tyler, uh, can you walk us through the uh, history of the Reed House? Sure. So the history of the Reed House uh, begins... I guess you could say in 1872 when the first Reed House was founded on this site, but uh, the history actually goes back a little bit further to the Crutchfield House. Crutchfield House was our Civil War era hotel, and it was very famous in Chattanooga, great service. It was kind of the social center of the town, but the hotel burned down shortly after the Civil War around 1867, and the lot set vacant. Um, some local businessmen began to build a uh, three-story guess what you would call an office building today and that building was actually turned into the Reed House. Um, the legend goes that the Crutchfield House became the Reed House but actually they built a whole new building and the Reed family came and saw the building, saw the site, um, knew it was a prime location across the street from the uh, new train station and they convinced the men to rent this new building to them for a few years and um, after that it just became a Chattanooga institution the hospitality just continued for years, and um, the Reed House has been here since 1872. Mm-hmm. And it's been renovated several times in those almost 200 years. Quite a few. The original Reed House was renovated about 10 times, uh, growing from a hotel of 50 rooms to 250 rooms. Around 1925, Samuel Reed, the son of the original founders, realized the hotel needed to be updated completely to fit the new growth that Chattanooga had been experiencing, so they built the current structure, completed in 1926, um, and it has been renovated five or six times, um, each time growing and changing as the need 
is that is the styles changed over the years, and so today uh, we now sit in the probably the sixth or seventh large renovation, okay, which occurred around twenty seventeen into twenty eighteen, and today that's a Great Gatsby theme, Roaring Twenties, parties, glamour, glitz, and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed as Jared and I were walking around a little bit earlier, uh, the female bartenders were dressed as flappers. Yes, the flapper girls. Um, so in the nineteen twenties. You saw a lot of liberation for ladies back then. They had just gotten the right to vote. Their skirts used to reach down to their ankles. It was considered scandalous for a girl to show anything above her ankles. It was unheard of. And so their skirts started to raise, and lo and behold, you started to see their knees, and people started to faint and pass out. It was was crazy, and the girls' hair went up, and uh, there are stories about girls starting to cut their hair and fathers threatening to kick the girls out and mothers passing out and... It was just, it was a it was a scandalous time, but mm-hmm. these girls started to feel liberated and started to be able to show their legs and bob their hair, and so mm-hmm. now we carry on that tradition because that was a huge part of the 1920s. And now we can wear tank tops and shorts. <laughs> of course. And that's, it started around the 1920s, so. Mm-hmm. Very awesome. Um, and also, um, speaking of the 1920s theme, the billiards room you were showing me right. has the very, like, speakeasy vibe to it. So speakeasy was also a huge institution in the 1920s with prohibition beginning um, around the latter part of the 19-teens. Um, Tennessee actually became a dry state very early on in the 19, um, or early 1900s, but that speakeasy theme uh, is carried on today. It was where people went to drink and party and have a lot of good times. Their flapper girls showed up. A lot of jazz music was played, and so we kind of carry on that speakeasy to today. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, and Jared, what were some of the other um, kind of historical classic amenities that you were showing me downstairs? There was the telephone booth, uh, the um, mail key. Right. Key. So, um, yeah. First, we saw the green room, which mm-hmm. is a historic room for not only the Reed House, but for Chattanooga. We saw, um, we had telephone booths that are original to the Reed House, but they have been here for a while. And then we saw our original key box, mm-hmm. which is across from where the original front desk used to be. Okay, very cool. Um, and you were saying that the green room was not just for dinner, but also for, like, etiquette classes. Right. Uh, parents, aunts, uh, grandparents, or nannies, anything like that could bring children to the green room, and they'd learn how to properly eat at the table. Awesome. So it was a lot of people's first introduction into restaurants as well. It was a place for everybody to go. Mm-hmm. Everyone who has ever lived in Chattanooga at some point had something at the green room. My mother probably would have liked to have taken me to one of those. <laughs> So the Reed House is a very like historical institution for Chattanooga. What makes this hotel such an important part of Chattanooga's history? When the Reed House was first built, this is where everyone came to gather in Chattanooga. Um, society came here. The table was um, unparalleled. It was set well, it, the best food around. And so that the hospitality that was offered, that food, the good times, that continued on through the years. Um, eventually culminating in what we have today, but uh, things like the green room we mentioned, the silver ballroom decked all in silver leaf and large mirrors, beautiful oak um, floor. It's where cotillions happen. Um, it's where ladies were crowned queen of the cotton ball, queen of uh, or debutantes, proms. Um, people, society just continued together here because it, everyone knew of the rehouse. It was centrally located right across from the train station. It received 
uh, dozens of guests every day in and out. And so this this place just stayed around due to place things like that. And it's amazing location, amazing food, amazing hospitality. And that's one of the key pillars of Southern culture as well. Yes, yes. Definitely. Southern, <laughs> Southern hospitality. Absolutely. So one of the things that I think the Reed House is very well known for is the room we are sitting in right now, room 311. So for anyone who is not familiar, what is room 311 and what is so spooky about it? So room 311 is our haunted room. Uh, in 1927, we had Annalisa Netherly um, die in this room and Tyler has the exact specifics. So Annalisa Netherly is our guest who checked in and never checked out. Ooh, so, very Hotel California. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, so Annalisa showed up around 1927, as Jared said, with her husband. They were vacationing from San Francisco, had heard about the Reed House, and made their way here to Chattanooga. Heard of Ruby Falls and Sea Rock City, and so they were coming this way to kind of stay here and experience Chattanooga. When they checked in, people remember a few things about the couple. They remembered Annalisa was extremely beautiful, um, and they remembered her husband was kind of quiet, that doesn't really say a lot, but he always smoked a lot of cigars. Okay. So they were placed up here in room 311, and um, a few days went by, and, you know, business as usual, they came and went, checked their mail, used the phone. But a few days later, they noticed that they had disappeared, hadn't checked out. So they sent a maid up to the room to kind of, you know, come clean it, see what was going on. So she made her way in here, and she noticed there was a funny smell in the air, and it just smelled like putrid. And so she made her way through the room and opened the bathroom door and screamed because she found Annalisa nearly decapitated in the um, bathtub. So the speculation was that her husband um, had actually killed her. Later came to light that her husband found her with another man. Annalisa had a history of this back in California. And I guess he finally had enough of it. And when he found her with another man in the hotel room... He took his uh, his razor blade for shaving, and he while she was taking a bath, he came back into the room and slit her throat um, in such a gruesome fashion that he nearly cut yeah. her head off. So, and so it, he fled, was never captured, um, and got away with this crime. But police kind of did some investigating and figured out that was what, that was what would ha- had happened to her. Okay. So, and her body was later shipped back to San Francisco for burial. Mm-hmm. But it seems that her soul did not travel. <laughs> that is <laughs> that is a story you will not find on the internet. <laughs> so, no, they and, water it down a little bit on Wikipedia. <laughs> yes, definitely. It's yeah, it's kind of very word worn down. Mm-hmm. So. Um. So the rumor is that people who stayed in this room in the past have had uh, encounters with. Ms. Netherly's ghost and experienced paranormal activity, which, not gonna lie, I'm a little scared sitting here. Um, I was telling Jared that, like, scary is not usually my thing, but I'm trying to get out of my comfort zone. Um, So what kind of activity have guests reported experiencing? So I'd say about two years ago, right before we closed the side of the building, there was a gentleman staying in this room at 311. And I was working downstairs, I was working night audit, so I come in at 11 p.m. and work till 7 a.m. And I'm doing my paperwork about 3 a.m. And he comes down to the desk and he looks kind of upset. He's like, sir, I need to check out now. And I explained, I was like, well, you've already been in the room for most of the day. You're going to have to get charged a half-day fee for the room. He's I don't care. I can't breathe in this place. It feels like there's something sitting on my chest. I can't breathe. 
And so I offered to like have someone go up to his room and refresh the room or could I move him to a different room. He said, no, just check me out. So I pull him up in the system. Sure enough, he's staying at 311. And I said, sir, did anyone tell you anything about that room before you checked into it? He said, no, I had a junior king suite, which is one of the nice rooms we had at the time, mm-hmm. and that he requested to be moved in the nice room we had. Well, our both of our presidentials were taken, because we had two back then, and 441, which is another one of our uh, executive rooms, were taken. So they offered to put them here. They started explaining, well, you've got a full-size kitchen, you have like a full fridge, you got a microwave, a sink, you've got a sitting area, you've got your bedroom. I was like, perfect, that's, that's good, that's all I need. Check me in. So they checked him in, and so I, I told him, sir, someone died in that room in 1927, and... She hates men. Specifically ones that smoke. <laughs> yeah. And he, his face went from red to just pale and he got quiet. And he was like, charge, <laughs> charge me. I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> and he got his car out of the valet and he left. And I've never seen him again. Wow. So is that feeling of like not being able to breathe a common occurrence? Or is it more like flickering lights? Or, or has anyone actually reported seeing a ghost? I have heard just about everything. Okay. Um... You'll hear things like the uh, feeling someone sitting next to you on the bed, mm-hmm. or someone might be playing with your hair. Uh, more commonly, things will get moved around the room. Say, <laughs> <laughs> as I sit here playing with my hair. <laughs> the uh, cabinet over here, that door on the bottom is known to swing open. That happens a lot. That's happened. That happens to me. I'd say probably once a week. Um, so like, a lot of people see their things have been moved around, and we don't really hear a lot of aggressive things that have happened. In the room, there was an instance where one of our bellmen, who's now our, one of our uh, guest service supervisors, his name is Jonathan, he came downstairs and he was like, I, I feel like the ghost was choking me. And he was like, his, his, it sounded like his, his throat was kind of raspy. Huh. That's, that's one of the only times I've ever heard of Annalisa doing anything aggressive. But okay. she does a lot to Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan's the primary person who comes into this room. Okay. He's in here all the time, and it seems, I guess, maybe he's made a little peace, but it sounds like she's getting a little aggressive with him. So, I mean, uh, it's very interesting. I mean, um, I've experienced some stuff in here as well, and it's it's interesting when you walk through the room because certain parts of the room start to change in temperature. And as you go from one room to the other, it gets extremely cold, and then another gets extremely hot. And I've noticed that a lot of people started reporting this kind of to me and to others. Okay. So um, a lot of times men will come out of here saying the room is just excruciatingly hot. It's, It's they're sweating. Other times I'll hear women say it's freezing. And so we're kind of wondering what's up with the temperature change versus man Mm -hmm. and woman. And so... We've kind of noticed that with men, it's it's always hot, and with women, it's freezing. So. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. It's funny you said that, because I seem to think it's always hot in here. Yeah. That's... Meanwhile, I'm comfortable. You're comfortable right yes. now? Yes. For now. For now. <laughs> yes. Uh, she, yes. If you start to get very cold, um, typically, she especially, so, she hates men. Um, of course, we understand why. She's totally justified in that. But she also... She seems to get jealous at times. Okay. And so if there's a girl in here she feels threatened by, you will start to notice the temperature drop. Now I'm going to pay attention to it. Now so that as you it starts it. to change, as it starts to, you'll, you'll notice it change. Okay. It, it, and so it, it gets very, very weird. And so um, the day we opened 311 to the public to let them see it, people were reporting all kinds of things. Oh, so, I bet. Yeah. 
Um, speaking of, uh, guests are no longer allowed to uh, stay in this room. Right. Um, we are primarily just have the room to show, though we rent it out for special occasions. Okay. So every Thursday in October, as well as Halloween, we'll be renting the room out. Okay. And then it'll come with uh, separate amenities like you'll have a $100 F&B credit, you'll have a $30 credit for breakfast in the morning, you'll get bathtub gin, and if you survive, I guess we'll throw in a 311 keychain. Oh my. If you survive. Oh gosh. So it's really for the thrill seekers out there. Yeah, definitely. Very so. much so. So when, in the most recent renovation, um, room 311 was not renovated in the same way as other parts of the hotel right. were. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about that decision and what this room is like now compared to previously in other rooms? Yeah, like, so the rest of the hotel, I guess you could say, was a modern take on the 1920s. Okay. Kind of updating the 1920s for modern times, 311, like Jared said, we wanted to take it back. We right. wanted to get authentic furniture from that time period, older furniture, pre, you know, at least from the you know, late 1800s, not past 1930. We wanted to stay within that. And so all this furniture was chosen from a local antique store. Okay. And all of it dates between that time period, 1890s to 1930. So we, like, we wanted to take it back in this room, and whereas the rest of the hotel is that modern okay. sort right. of thing. And so right before this, like I said, it was an executive suite. So you, when you walked in, uh, when you first entered the door to your right, you had a full kitchen. Mm-hmm. So full fridge, microwave, you had a sink. If you kept walking to your left, you had kind of a living room. You had a couch and you had a TV. And then to the right or straight across from that, you had your bedroom. And then across from the bed, you had your bathroom. So the room is completely different now. It's not, a set, it's not set up like that at all anymore. So yeah, we speculate that throughout the, there have been a lot of renovations. And some old maps show this is a different room altogether. And so we kind of wonder where that took us. Like, where, 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 when did it change? When did the floor plan really originally change? And so we kind of noticed around the 1990s, there's a renovation. And so we kind of speculate that that renovation switched the original floor plan all around. Okay. And so when that happened, you noticed that's when actually the hauntings, you start hearing about the hauntings in the newspapers. You okay. start hearing about 311 in the mid-90s. And there had been a recent renovation. And so we speculate that that renovation did something with Annalisa. We okay. don't know. Because there aren't any prior hauntings between the you know the late 20s when she died and the 1980s or 90s. Not that she probably didn't play some practical jokes mm-hmm. that she's known to do, but we noticed those hauntings start to increase in the papers right around that time. So disturbing the room at any time causes some problems. So we wanted to, we wanted to make Annalisa as comfortable as possible. In okay. this room, especially because we were going to open it to the public, it's mm-hmm. very key that your benevolent spirit is happy. Yes. So. Um, and I noticed, like in the bathroom, there's like the clawfoot tub and the regular or the vintage pool chain toilet, and everything is very, very true to the era. Yes, definitely. I guess people still report parano- paranormal activity uh, after this most recent renovation. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mentioned earlier with the um, that door, when the cabinet swings mm-hmm. open, as well, the chain on that toilet is known to swing at the end of the day. I've seen it a couple times, and in my department, we like to say that's Annalise's way of telling us, get out of my room. Well, I've had <laughs> enough for the day. <laughs> so that's happened. Um, this light bulb has blown on me once. Like I was like walk- shattered? Walking out of it. It didn't shatter, but it just went out. Oh, okay. Uh, this 
little panel up here opens and closes pretty much whenever it wants to. But not, it's not like that one it'll like slam. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's going to happen today. It's also interesting. Jonathan took me up here one day because we were he was wanting to get some more historical information so mm -hmm. he could tell people. And so he walked in here and I was pointing out some of the furniture and talking to him about it. We walked into the room. We came back in here and if you notice this decorative piece right in front of you, this yes. almost bowl with these hanging diamonds, you know, these these jewels. Mm -hmm. Those jewels were swaying all the way around as if somebody had just walked by and just gently. <gasps> and so and so we and you walk back in the room and no one had been like we, we weren't in the room. And so you notice and there was no wind blowing, the ceiling fans weren't going. And those are, if you feel one, you know, they're very heavy. You know, mm -hmm. they don't just blow with anything. So it's very interesting to walk back in there. And I was sitting there pointing. He goes, she does that all the time. And I was like, what? And I looked down and lo and behold, they were moving. And I'm like, okay, we're going to leave Oh, now. my goodness. So um, definitely. But, um, you know, we kind of mentioned earlier that when you renovate the room, when you change the room, Annalisa gets very angry. Yes. And so I don't know if you heard the story about the newspaper. About or not news, but like what the story written in the newspaper about no, the No, I did not. Um, what and, happened during? Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, do you want to tell it? Oh, sure. So they're going through and they're taking all the doors off the hinges. So they get they go they're going through using their mastercards. They get the room three eleven. Slide their mastercard doesn't work. Maybe it's just a mastercard. So they they're all going through trying their mastercards. They have nothing. There's a machine that you can plug into the lock. Mm -hmm. And it just kills it, opens the door. They plug it in, turn it on, nothing. <sighs> so they had to take a saw and cut a hole in the door and unlock it from the inside to get the door. Oh my. And as you walk through during the renovation when they were doing it, you walk into the bedroom and you know there's the two windows facing the roof and you see between the windows somebody had nailed a cross Ooh. between the windows. And so below and written below it was El Diablo. Yeah. Because we had a lot of Spanish speakers who had been working in their area. In the <gasps> and so, but like that you saw El Diablo, so the devil. Mm -hmm. So, it's very creepy when you notice that. And then you see the hole in the door. And um, I'm not typically a ghost believer. Mm -hmm. But that story did send some chills down my spine. I was like, are we sure we even want to mess with this room? Are we should <laughs> board it up and pretend it's not there. Clearly, renovating this room is not helping at the moment. Yeah. So. They had um, also, they had taken Sharpie and written on the door frame, El Cuarto de Fantasma, which in Spanish translates to Room of the Ghost. <sighs> yeah, I, I believe it. Um, so when y'all started working here, um, what were your first thoughts when you, real, when you heard like the room was haunted and when you thought about like having to be in this room and potentially like interacting with this spirit? So actually within my first month, I had my first encounter in the Reed house and what I wasn't like told that the, the hotel was haunted, like definitively. I just thought it was a running joke. Everyone was saying the hotel's haunted. Okay, sure. The hotel's haunted. <laughs> and like I said, I started in the restaurant and there was a family staying here in 311. Mm -hmm. There's a grandmother and two granddaughters and they were kind of close to my age. So I messed with them and be like, you know, the hotel's haunted. I hope you can sleep well tonight because you never know what the ghost is going to do. And I was delivering food up to the room. Uh, I walk in, I set it down, I'm talking to the grandmother, because at this point we've, we've been talking for a couple days, and the light starts flickering in the room. I immediately, I'm like, oh, that's just the girls, they're just messing with me. I don't even pay any attention. About 10 minutes goes by, and I look at my watch, I'm still on the clock, I have to go back downstairs. Mm -hmm. And I get right to about where the door is, and I stop and I think, I said, wait, ma'am, where are your grandchildren today? She's like, oh, they're at the pool. And I thought, oh, that's kind of weird. There must be something wrong with your lights. I'll go downstairs and report it to our maintenance department. 
I opened the door and I stepped mm-hmm. out of the door and the lights stopped flickering. And I thought, huh, I guess it's fixed. That <laughs> <laughs> closed the door. Little did you know. <laughs> I closed the door and I went back down to the restaurant and I told my boss, the weirdest thing just happened to me. I was in 311 the lights were flickering and I stepped out and it stopped. He said, do you smoke by chance? I said, yeah, how do you know? Well, someone died in that room in the 1920s and she hates men that smoke. And that's how I found out that the Reed House Hotel <laughs> After they'd already roped you in. <laughs> After I was already a sucker. <laughs> so my experience with room 311 didn't occur... My first experience didn't occur directly with the room, actually. So I, I worked at Starbucks originally, like I mm-hmm. said, at the beginning. And I'm, a, I'm a regular at the Starbucks. Okay, yes, 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 <laughs> I thought, yes. Um, and so I, I don't... My job is that we don't come up, we don't deliver room service and everything. And so, like, Jared, like, I wouldn't have been up here as much as he would. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I started to do research after I started working at Starbucks, my first interactions were in the archives and the newspapers. And so I began to find stories of, of the hauntings, like I said, around the 1990s. And so one of the stories was about the lights flickering, but it was mentioning, you know, about shadows in the mirrors. And it seems that we installed about three or four mirrors in this room. And so... We've that, that, that shadowy thing has continued. And so seeing random shadows or um, we have a lot of people take pictures of the room. And so one person took a picture of that mirror that's right behind you above the Tudor table. And when they, when, they, when they looked at it, they looked at the mirror and they saw them. They saw their friend who was in the picture and there was this hand, the very top, just this almost this ghostly, just very almost like billowy smoke. See, that is the kind of stuff that terrifies me. <laughs> so and, and, and so the thing is people, when they take these pictures... They don't notice until they get home. Mm-hmm. They, take, and they're going there and they're like, oh my gosh. And then, then they talk, talk, tell us that they start screaming and they're like, oh my gosh. And so it's, it's very interesting to hear that um, mm-hmm. and to see that, hear about those hauntings in the archives and then experiencing room 311 because just working in Starbucks feels like sometimes a different world here. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't hear about the hauntings much. I started in Starbucks and then I would wander into the hotel to look around. And so, like I said, my, my experience was totally different than Jared's. And so, a lot less direct, which is nice. Mm-hmm. So, so It's yeah. actually funny you said that about the uh, shadows and whatnot. I met the assistant general manager here from the 90s to the 2000s. And she got one of the original mirrors that was in Room 311. Oh, wow. And she took it to her house. They had it for a while. And then now her brother owns it. But she was like, every time you weren't, like, if when, in the room, when you weren't looking right at the mirror, like it was in your peripheral, See a lady in white go by. Like a little shadow. You could tell it was a woman in white going by. When she took it home, she said she never saw it. And that lady in white is quite like that is that is what you hear about when you hear about Annalisa is the of the lady in white. Oh. And so it's very interesting. That's so, mildly terrifying. <laughs> yes. Just a um, little bit. I keep like turning my sho- looking over my shoulder at this mirror behind oh, me. Wow. <laughs> so that's actually a picture that was taken here in the room. That's crazy. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever shown you that. No, I haven't seen that, that figure. Oh man, yeah. It's there. It's, it's... That's in that bathroom over there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right we should get a group picture in there. Hmm? We should get a group picture in there, all four of us. Four <laughs> of us. I've got selfie mode on my phone. So, well, we all do, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Just announce your, pre- as you walk through the room, it's always good to kind of announce that you're here. Okay. Uh, Jonathan does that, I think out of respect. Like every time, like when I walk up here, He's always up here first, and I get up here with him, and he he opens the door, and he'll knock, mm-hmm. and he'll open the door, and he goes, Annalisa, and before he enters, just announcing her presence, and so it's very interesting, is it's very interesting and important to do that, as you Okay. Know. And so that's, you know, we got up here first, and so luckily we're good, but mm-hmm. it's always good if you're the first one up here to let, 
Let her know you're coming into her space. Let her know there's a visitor. Yeah, we actually, we started bringing her this little cup of wine, actually, and we would sit on the dresser just as a peace offering for her. Just, oh, my. Yeah, we would just bring it. When we launched 311, we kept a, pe- a glass of wine sitting right up on the on the table behind you. So she, she was, like red or white? Red. She's a big fan of red wine. Big fan of the color oh, red. God, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she likes her wine. Interesting. Yes, we will we'll take a, a group photo in there if Annalisa will allow it. We'll do that when we're done. Um, A couple more things I wanted to touch on. Um, Another uh, famous name to come through Room 311 was uh, Al Capone, Mm -hmm. I believe you said. And he is the reason there were bars on the windows in there. Yes, Al Capone. So if you're not familiar with Al Capone, I believe everyone is. But if you haven't, he was a notorious mobster um, in the 1920s. Uh, bootlegging, murder, I mean, you name it, he was responsible for it. Mm-hmm. Primarily operating out of Chicago, but he did travel around. And he liked to come toward this way, toward, toward Chattanooga, just off, um, I believe, toward uh, Mount Eagle. And he, there was a restaurant there he liked to frequent there. I believe there was a waitress there he liked, I think, okay. <laughs> I, if I remember that correctly. <laughs> that would make sense. So but he, he was in the area a lot. Um, and once he was arrested, he was arrested numerous times. But he was arrested in Miami, Florida, and they... Um, sent him back up north. Well, the federal agents he was with, you know, they had to, they decided they needed to stop over somewhere as they were headed towards Chicago. Chattanooga was a known area, you know, train stations, junction all over the south, you know. So they stopped in here in Chattanooga. Um, I believe he was arrested in Miami around 1928. Okay. So shortly after Annalise's death. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the only room available in the hotel was. 311. Well, Naturally. they realized. Well, they took a look out into, into 311. The federal agents had to inspect and make sure. They noticed that the windows were right over the roof. That you could easily step out of the out of the windows onto the roof right below, and he could run, go get a fire escape, and head down. Well, they decided they needed to put bars on the windows, and they put these large, thick like bars on the windows, and um, those bars remained on the windows actually from that time until. 2004 when they were taken off mm-hmm. well we decided when they were in the renovation to bring those bars back naturally yeah of course we needed to have some bars on the windows but um <laughs> and 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 um people you know it's interesting that people are like oh well, i can't really say that those bars were there to protect people from climbing on the roof and i'm like well if that's the case why don't the other windows have bars that are on the, there are there are another 10 rooms that have bars but anyway al capone was staying here and um he had two federal agents outside bars on the windows and supposedly, he slept peacefully that night. So, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he was a big smoker. Um, and so, we're wondering what the thing was with Al Capone, whether it was so close to her murder, she wasn't quite as active, mm-hmm. trying to figure out the spiritual life, you know, yeah. and everything. And so, um, but Al Capone stayed here for the night. And so, it's, it's very creepy to know that Al Capone was here, and we have a resident ghost. Mm-hmm. And Al Capone... If you're wondering, Al Capone was an extremely, like, a very evil man. Uh, people say when they when you see the devil sitting around the table in hell, you have the devil, Pharaoh from Egypt, Hitler, and Al Capone. Oh, yeah. That's 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 the circle of people you have sitting around the table in hell. So that that's just give you a, a little idea about, if you're not familiar with Al Capone, how bad he was. Mm-hmm. And so we had that man in our hotel. <sighs> so. I'm getting all kinds of chills sitting in here. So <laughs> told you you cold. We told you. Yeah, I mean... Uh, and Lisa might have actually been scared of him. So it's, that says it's a very, lot. Yeah, so it's it's very interesting to know that. Wow, that is crazy. Um, one thing to wrap us up here. Um, how can uh, pe- 
people in the public come experience room 311? Well, between 12 and 2, we offer tours of 311. You can just come to our lobby. You can either go straight up to a felon or you can go to the front desk and request a tour of 311. Usually between 12 and 2, we're really good about getting it on, on beat. Sometimes we have some late checkouts. It'll take us about five minutes or so, but we're always here at 12 to 2 offering the tours of 311. And then you can also... Uh, for guests staying in the hotel, we offer a special request. So if they'd like to come later, they'll put a request to our uh, or to someone in our department. We'll pass it on to our bellman that night. Then they'll come down to meet the bellman and they'll go up to 311. Very nice. And if you're looking for more information on the history of the hotel, you can contact myself, the historian, at 478-972-6611. And I'll be happy to give you a historic tour of the entire building from first floor all the way up to the penthouse. Um, you can catch the amazing views and learn about the long, rich history of the hotel. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for joining me. This has been a very enlightening and spooky encounter. But and, we, and we survived. We yes, survived. we did. Till now. <laughs> well. We're not quite over. We're not quite, yet. Yeah, we're quite done. <laughs> but yes, thank you all so much for uh, talking with me. Uh, this has been another episode of the Nuka Bell podcast. Thank you all so much for listening, and I'll catch you all on the next one.